Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. So we are a people that are captivated by stories. We're captivated by stories. And uh, we, can know, we know this because um, right now there's this little phenomenon going on in America called Star Wars. This great epic story, this great epic tale. And it's this story of good against evil, of light against darkness. And it's a story that's, that takes place in many different stages as the story develops and develops and develops. And, th- and this, this, is, uh, this movie is so big right now, uh, a few stats about the movie that's out. 18% of the entire annual box office sales will be consumed by Star Wars. Almost 20% of box office sales. Um, $2 billion, B billion it's what the estimated gross revenue is of Star Wars coming out. Last year's movie, the last time Star Wars came out in theaters, it stayed in theaters 24 weeks. That's almost half a year. This great epic tale of good and evil. And here's the question. Why does Star Wars captivate us so much? And here's what I'd argue. Because it's a story that represents a bigger story. A meta-narrative. This great epic tale that has many different subplots and little twists and turns and many different stories in the middle of it, but it tells one big story. And here's what I would argue is that the Bible is most of all stories. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 1 starts off in the beginning. And then at the very end of your Bible in the book of Revelation, one of the last chapters of the, bo- of the book of the Bible says, and there will be no more night, it will need no light, For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Question, what thing starts with in the beginning and ends with ever and ever? A story. Now, we live in the Bible Belt of Missouri. So all of you have, everyone has heard about Jesus. Everyone's heard about Christianity. Everyone thinks they understand the story. But here's what I'd argue in Midwest America, what this great epic narrative, this great story has been taken down to is this. And here's what many people around us believe. This is me. And I hope that you guys in the back can see that. I'll try to write dark. And this is my life. And there are one of two destinations that I'll end up in my life. One, we will call heaven. And one we would call hell. And what the overwhelming belief of this narrative is, is I live here and I live my life, and this is good up here, and this is bad down here. And as I live, depending which, how I live, good or bad, wherever I end up is where I spend eternity. So if I am good, I'll go to heaven, and if I'm bad, I go to hell And that's what most people believe Christianity is about. But here's what I'd like to argue today. That's not what Christianity is about. And just like if we take one little piece out of the Star Wars story, let's say Darth Vader revealing himself to Luke Skywalker, Luke, I am your father, that whole thing. We take that and we pull it out. We just focus on that. We miss 
the beauty of the big story. One of the dangers that happens with the Bible is when we take little pieces out and we study and dissect it and, and understand it, which is great, but here's what we always have to do when we pull it out. We have to make sure we pull it out, but we remember as we study it how it ties in to the big story. Because most of all, the Bible is a story. And so what I'd like to do today as we wrap up this series, Redemption Through History, we've been in a series, if you're a guest with us today, for all, since August, and we've been walking through this narrative, this big narrative, narrative of the Bible. Today I want to wrap this up, hopefully in a way that makes sense on Christmas. And here's what I'm going to say, that this is not the story of the Bible. That the Bible is a way more compelling story. And here's how the Bible starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so it starts, the Bible starts with this God. And here's what we know about this God. That it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. This three-person God that all exists in one. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. And so God creates this earth. And it's an earth that, that's perfect. It's beautiful. And everything that happens as God intends it to happen. And he speaks and creates Adam and Eve, creates man. And it says that he creates him in his own image. And so God creates Adam and Eve. He places them in his paradise, this place where heaven and earth exist together. It's paradise. And he creates Adam and Eve in this and he, and he blesses them and he says, listen, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, this heaven and earth spread out and make lots of babies and fill this earth and let's create this thing beautifully. He tells them to build and take care of the garden to help him create this world that will flourish in beauty. And so we see Genesis chapter 1 and it's perfect. And it takes about two chapters in the Bible for people to mess it up. And we find in Genesis chapter 3 that evil comes in the form of a serpent. And evil, evil talks to Adam and Eve. And here's what evil gets them to do is declare their independence from God. To say, God, we don't need you. We want to be our own God. And so Adam and Eve dis, are, are disobedient in the form of eating this apple that God had told them not to eat. Declaring themselves independent from God and enemies with God. And so this heaven and earth that exist in perfect unity now is fractured. It's broken. And because of God's nature, this father, son, spirit, because he is perfect and he can't be in the presence of evil. Here's what we see in Genesis chapter 3. That this world that's now no longer perfect is separated. And no longer do we have heaven and earth together. We have heaven and earth apart. And Adam and Eve are apart from God. And God removes his presence from this earth and things go really bad really quickly. By the way, if you want to study this more, part of this idea of this drawing, I've done this many times, but I've changed it a little bit. It came from a guy named Tim Mackey, The Bible Project. There's an app. If you want to learn how to read the Bible, a little app called The Bible Project. It has little short videos, 10 or 12-minute videos that help you understand books of the Bible before you read them. I would highly, highly recommend Tim Mackey, The Bible Project. Look that up in your app store. 
And so what we see in the book of Genesis is this problem of God, this perfect creation, or this perfect creator here, and men and women here, and it gets so bad, the earth gets so bad, these Adam and Eve have children, and what do the first children do? One of them kills the other one. That's how quickly evil reigns on this earth. And so the Bible says that we have this creator now that is separate from his creation, and here's the reality, it could have stayed that way forever. As a matter of fact, what did humans want? A life independent from God. They wanted to be their own God. Here's what God could have said. You want that? Have it. It's yours. I'm done. But that's not how the story of the Bible goes. As a matter of fact, here's what I'd argue the story of the Bible is. The story of the Bible is about God taking the initiative to break into earth. That it's God that always takes the initiative, that on our own as humans, we would never come towards God. We want independence, we want it our own way, we wanna do what we want to do. At the, the story of the Bible is that God is coming to earth. And hundreds and hundreds of years later, after Adam and Eve sin, what we find is there's one man, and his name is Abraham, and God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, this is my own words, I've chosen you. I'm going to start something today, Abraham. And from this thing that's going to happen, it's going to start with you. Something's going to change, and I'm going to fix this broken world. Let's see what he says to Abraham, Genesis 12. And I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God gives Abraham a promise. You'll have a son. Out of this son will come a nation. And out of this nation will come a rescuer. That's a promise to Abraham. And so just as God said, Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. And the, the book of Genesis, the Bible starts following this storyline of this family of Abraham. Put an A right there. And Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons that end up in this nation called Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, they live there three or 400 years. They turn into a great multitude of people that will become known as Israel. And they're in captivity. Did I spell that wrong? <laughs> See, I was really seeing if you were paying attention. <laughs> that, was my, that was one of my worries doing this. I'm like, I'm going to mess this up. That's why I draw stick people instead of writing out names. Thank you for laughing at me. And, and, you know. and they grow to being this great multitude of people, but the problem is another king rises up and they're slaves in Egypt. They cry out for God. God, come rescue us. God sends another man, Moses. And Moses takes these people and he leads them out of Egypt. And he creates a covenant with them. And so here's what we see. This go-between, this in-between, between earth and heaven, there's this promise and this promise will get told over and over and over to different generations. It started with Abraham. Abraham, I promise 
I will come, I will fix this thing. And each generation is re-given this promise of what God's going to do. And so Moses takes this group of people, he leads them out of captivity, and now you have this, this multitude, this nation called Israel, who God has chosen to be his plan to push back evil, to restrain evil, and to bless the world again. That's God's plan, it's this nation of Israel. And as Moses brings them out, what God does is he also gives them his law. And he says, as my people who I've chosen to bring this rescuer, here is how I want you to live. Don't kill each other, which in the ancient world was like a new idea. Don't steal. And he tells them how to live as people who are in covenant with him. And he even gives them this thing that we'll call sacrifice. Because here's the reality about these people. Though they're chosen, they are flawed. And they will continually disobey God and continually turn away from God. And so God gives them this idea of sacrifice, that they would take an animal and that animal would bleed. And that would cover the sins of the people so that they could interact between God and people. And so the story of the Old Testament is God taking people out of this nation of Israel and putting them right here as this go-between of him bringing himself to creation. The story keeps going. We find the judges, the book of Judges, which are these different leaders, these rulers, military and political leaders that led Israel, and God placed them here. And the story keeps going. We get to King David, and David is this great king that unites all of Israel into a kingdom. And he acts as this go-between between God and the people for the goal of fixing this nation. David has a son named Solomon. Solomon makes a lot of mistakes that ends up with his son splitting this kingdom. And 10 of the 12, 10 of the 12 families, nations get, or, uh, families get destroyed. There's two remaining. They keep rebelling against God, even though God sends prophets to tell them, listen, here's what you need to do. Stay faithful to the covenant. Stay faithful to the law. I have a plan. Trust my promise. Keep the law. But Israel continually, continually walks away from that. And so two weeks ago, we saw that God sends Babylon, this nation of Babylon, to conquer Israel and take them from Jerusalem to Babylon. And now they are slaves once again. They're there for 70 to 80 years. And a new king comes up. The Persian Empire comes, conquers Babylon. Now this new king of Persia tells the Israelites, you can return to Jerusalem and rebuild your city and rebuild Solomon's temple. And so where we left it last week was all these exiles, these chosen people, these Israelites coming back to Jerusalem with this renewed hope of God coming to rescue his creation. And we read Zechariah last week. So one of the last books of the Bible, God, through a prophet talking to his people, here's what he tells Israel, sing and rejoice, O daughters of Zion, for behold, I come, and I will deliver in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. And so we looked last week of God promising that, the, that the, the, the Savior is coming, that everything now is in place for the rescuer to come. And Israel has this problem they're in bondage to other nations, and they're in bondage to sin. 
in their hearts. And we sing about this. One of my favorite Christmas hymns says this, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. See, Israel's in captivity by another nation and by the sin that grips their hearts who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appeared. And if you are a faithful Israelite, here's what you are crying out to God every day. God, deliver us. Deliver us. We're this chosen people, this promised people. You've told us that all the world will be blessed through us, that we're supposed to be a blessing, and the Savior's supposed to come, and all this. God, deliver us. Deliver us. Where are you? And here's what we saw last week. The last words from God happened in the book of Malachi, the end of your Old Testament. And then God is silent for 400 years. No prophets, no messengers, no word. And the faithful Israel, the faithful few are told, believe the promise, keep the law, and offer sacrifices to cover your sins and trust. 400 years. America hasn't even been close to existing that long. And that's how long the people are waiting. And through the prophet Isaiah and through Malachi, here's what Israel will told. You'll know that the Messiah is coming because I will send a messenger. One that will come before that will prepare the place for the Messiah. And so Israel, these faithful Israelites are waiting on this messenger to come. And that's why when you turn in your New Testament, that two of the four gospel writers start with this messenger. Here's what Mark chapter 1 says in his gospel, in his account. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. So he quotes Isaiah, this Old Testament prophet. Here's what Isaiah says. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice, he's one of, that will be crying out in the wilderness and he'll say, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight or make his path straight. And John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So Mark in his writing of, about Jesus quotes this Old Testament prophecy to show like, listen, right before Jesus comes, this guy named John came and he started telling us that Messiah will come. Here's what John chapter 1 says. And the word became, or sorry, John chapter 1 verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So both of these gospel accounts tell us this guy named John comes. And he lives in the wilderness and he says, the kingdom of God is coming. The rescuer is coming. And then here's what John says in verse 14. And the word, capital W, Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is a son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here's this crazy twist in the story because remember, if you're this faithful people in Israel, you've been promised this rescuer, this Messiah, this Savior. And here's what you would have thought that Savior was, was this great military leader, think Mel Gibson Braveheart, who would come 
and he would conquer all of the enemies of Israel. He would raise up this army. They would create this new nation, this throne, and they would rule forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's what you believed if you were Israel. But God's into the unexpected. And so here's what God does. He says, I'm going to take part of me, my son, who's in heaven, who's perfect. And I'm going to take this family line of the Jewish people, and I'm going to bring the two together right here as a go-between. And the Bible says that Jesus, the word, perfect God, took on flesh in the form of a Jew and dwelt among us. And the Bible even gives more clarity around this. You, you look at this in the Christmas story. We celebrate this idea of the virgin birth, that Jesus is born apart from Mary and Joseph coming together. Why is that so important? Because if Jesus was born, just like everyone else, he would still have this evil in him like everyone else has. But because Jesus came from here, born from God, he's perfect. Here's what Mark says about Jesus. Now, after John was arrested, that was John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, quote, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, in the book of Matthew, Matthew even takes the time to trace Abraham all the way through the generations to see how Jesus came as a promise. You can look at that in Matthew. So Jesus comes, he's born, he announces to people, listen, I am the Messiah, I am the promised one that was come, I am here to take on the sins of the world, I'm here to kick out evil forever, I'm here as the promised one of Israel. But here's what the Bible tells us, that Jesus, this Messiah sent to Israel, was rejected by the ones he came to save. Here's what Mark chapter 1 says. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So John's telling us that he came from here, but he's in the world. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. See, the Jews were expecting Mel Gibson, and they got a humble peasant. And they rejected him because they believe that God's kingdom was this earthly kingdom where they would reign. And Jesus came in a kingdom reversal and said, no, that's actually not the case. This one scene from Jesus, he's nearing the end of his life. He comes up over a hill and he sees Jerusalem down in the valley. And I wish we had the movie. I wish we had the clip of this because I can imagine Jesus just like falling down and weeping. And here's what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you in my arms or in my wings like a hen gathers her young. But you've rejected me. We see this moment of the humanity of Jesus breaking through where he wants these people that he's been called to save that reject him. And so the narrative of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the narrative is that Jesus comes, that he claims to be God, that he does miracles that the Messiah was promised to do, and that he perfectly obeys the law. 
that God had put down. He does what God tells him to do. And he is the promise that was to come. And that he died on a cross as the sacrifice. See, the little twist in the story is everything that we see in the Old Testament comes true in Jesus. He does it all. And on this, when he dies on the cross, what happens is God takes all of the sins of the world, all the evil that's inside of us, let's be honest, and he places it on Jesus. And God pours out his wrath against evil. That's why the cross is so bloody. And in turn, Jesus takes here his righteousness, his perfectness, and he offers now that righteousness to be covered to those over here on this earth that would by faith believe that that's how you get to God. And so the storyline of the Bible, the point where it all comes to focus, it's like this all through the Old Testament, this blurry picture that comes into focus around this person of Jesus. Because here's what we see. Jesus becomes the better Adam who faithfully does what God tells him to do and faithfully lives out the law and lives here without sin. God or Jesus becomes the better Moses who will not just lead his people out of out of captivity and bondage on this earth, but will lead his people out of spiritual captivity and spiritual bondage, that God or that Jesus becomes this new covenant, this new promise. And it's not based on our religious achievements. It's based on what Jesus has done, that Jesus becomes this new tabernacle, this new temple. If you remember that, that week, we looked at that, where God and man could come together in perfect harmony. Jesus becomes the priest but he doesn't just offer the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. Jesus becomes the great king. He's the better David. They'll create an eternal kingdom on this earth. See, the point of the Bible is Jesus because he brings it all together. And instead of this nation now called Israel, when he left, because he raises from the dead, conquering evil, and he goes back, he goes back up to the Father, but he leaves this thing called the church. And here's what he tells the church, your job now, because the story's not done, we'll get to that in a second. Church, here's your job, be a people that believe in my name, be a people that believe in my death and resurrection. And be the type of people that are pushing back evil in this world. Be the type of people that are doing things as God commanded, that are bringing the kingdom of God here to earth. That's why Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as in heaven. See, now you and I are invited into the story. And now we're this church it's here, and not just church, this little Hill City Church, Church Universal, all across our world, people gathering today. And we're here to join God in what he's doing in rescuing this place, in fixing this place. See, Jesus brings it all, brings it all together. And here's what we see. Jesus makes a way for all nations to come. You remember what he told Abraham? Abraham, I'm going to bless you and all the earth 
All the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. See, here's something no one saw coming. No longer would Israel just be the chosen nation. Now the church would be the chosen instrument and all nations are invited in. So this morning, long before you woke up, believers gathered in Italy, in Ethiopia, in Syria, in Jerusalem, crying out and worshiping the Savior on a cross. See, through Jesus, all the nations now are brought in. And you're invited in. Here's what John says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so hear me, this story's not about you. It's about God. But now you and I are invited into this great narrative because here we are today. And Jesus comes for this greater need of humanity. He doesn't just come to set up a kingdom on earth. He comes to fix our hearts. And here's what we're invited into. By faith, to believe that Jesus' death on the cross is how we get back to God, not through some religious achievement of our own, not by coming to church or giving money or reading your Bible or trying to be, none of those things matter. It's belie- they matter, but they come after believing that we're invited in to believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and to be included in God's story. See, the gospel, the good news, is not about you going to heaven when you die. The gospel, the good news, is about Jesus coming to earth to fix this thing. And you're invited into that. And here's what the Bible, the New Testament, talks about. There's this phrase we, we say a lot in church, which is fine, but we say, like, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. You don't really see that in the Bible. Here's what we see in the Bible. Um, Us being united with Christ. What that means is by faith, when we believe in Jesus, everything that Jesus accomplished on this earth, God now thinks of us as accomplishing. We are united. We are hidden in Christ. But the story's not finished yet. See, a lot of people think the story's finished and this has all happened and now we just wait to die and we go to heaven and float up in the clouds with angel wings. That's not the story. See, the story is that Jesus came to save humanity and then he's coming back, not just to save the hearts of the people, but to restore heaven and earth together. Here's what Revelation, the last book of the Bible says. So right, this John, the person writing, seeing this glimpse of the, of the attorney that's to come. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See, the storyline of the Bible is not believe in Jesus and then you can, when you die, float off to heaven. The storyline of the Bible is believe in Jesus and one day Jesus will come back and he will bring heaven and earth all together as one. And this evil that one to exist apart from God, yeah, he'll give it what, it what it wants. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice 
from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. No longer is there in between. No, these two have come together. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. The storyline of the Bible is not about you believing in Jesus to go to heaven when you die. The storyline of the Bible is Jesus coming to make all things new. You, me, and this earth. That one day, Eden will be restored back together. Heaven and earth together. So now here we are, and we live what theologians call the already, but not yet. Meaning Jesus has come, but he's not yet come again to fix this thing. And if we be honest this morning, we feel the weight of the already, but not yet. We feel the brokenness. And if you watch the news, all through the news over the past month or two has been men abusing power. And something inside us hates that. And we live in the already not yet because right now many of you will celebrate Christmas this year and you won't have someone that was here last year and you'll feel the weight of that and you'll feel the sting of death. Some of you are here experiencing broken relationships over the past year or two and you feel the weight of the already but not yet. Some of you this morning, though it's a great time of Christmas, are drowning in grief. Because we live in the already but not yet. And here's why I'd argue that every single person on this earth, whether you believe in Jesus or not, longs for Eden. Everyone longs for that restoration. So every time something evil happens and somewhere deep inside of us, we just hurt and we ache. Here's what we're saying. We long for Eden because we're created for Eden. We're created for this new earth this new heaven and new earth, we long for it. I love, you guys know me, I love, I love music. I listen to great singer-songwriters. And here's why I love music. Whether musicians know it or not, they tell us what Eden will be like. Like as they write, as musicians write and they call out injustice, here's what they're saying is we're created for something better. As musicians write about love and all those things, they're saying there's this new way to live. And we desire that deep in our bones because we're created for it. We all long Eden. But at the same time, we've all seen the face of evil, and that face is us. We live in the already, not, but not yet. And even as believers, we live in the already, but not yet. Like by faith, Jesus has already saved you, but you're not yet restored new like he promises. And so here we are, we're the church, and God has told his church, join me in bringing this thing new, and join me in pushing back and restraining evil. That's why even for Hill City, our mission statement says that we want to bring gospel restoration to our city. We want to see our city change in tangible ways. Like, here's what we believe at Hill City. If we are doing what God has told us to do, that um, hungry people will have food, and widows will be taken care of, and single moms will have people join alongside them and love them well. Like, we believe 
that we are supposed to bring God's kingdom here. So, G, so God tells us this in the New Testament, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God purport, prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Hill City, Christians, here's what I tell you. God has now placed you here to bring his kingdom, to bring a little bit of what the future will look like here. So we have doctors that come to our church that are part of us. Doctors, every time you bring healing, you're bringing a little piece of the kingdom. Teachers, Every time you shape and craft and mold young minds, you're bringing the kingdom. Business leaders, as you create businesses for our community to flourish, and you treat your work as well, you're bringing the king kingdom here. Musicians, as you write and sing and call out injustice and sing about good things called love, you're bringing the kingdom here. See, the Bible, the, narr the narrative of the Bible is not Believe in Jesus, you can go to heaven when you die. The narrative of the Bible is that Jesus came to us. He'll one day restore this, and you and I are invited in. And that's a way more compelling story than go to church and don't cuss. Way more compelling. Because Jesus said, behold, I'm making all things new. So this new heaven... And new earth will come together. And here's the point. Jesus. And that's why we gather this morning. That's why at this season we celebrate his birth that he's come. The point is Jesus. Jesus that's making all things new, including us. So if you're new to Hill City, here's what you, you need to know about us. If you've been here, here's what you know about us. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty laser focused on Jesus, period. Meaning that Jesus is enough. There's other churches that will teach, we need Jesus and you also need to do this. Or do you need Jesus and you need it? No, we believe Jesus, period. That Jesus is the point of the story. And so here we are. And here's the invitation to believe in Jesus, that he was God's rescuer sent. That he died for us to get us to God and that he resurrected and went back to God. Believe that. And then live as people that believe that. Live as people that are bringing the kingdom here. And join him in making all things new. And for some of you, I hope that you just heard a way more compelling story than you've ever heard before. And I would invite you into that story.